What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's essential morning show. PCR 2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. On the podcast today, China, China, and more China. Yep, we're still on the story. First, basketball diplomacy. There's twice as many fans there as there are people here in the United States. China's war of words with the NBA continues while new hope of a trade deal, any deal, emerges. So we're talking about a skinny deal now? Is that is that what we're calling it? A skinny margarita? I don't like I don't like skinny burritos. Then Texas Senator Ted Cruz. This really shows how China tries to use economic coercion and blackmail uh, to get American companies to, to engage in censorship. And finally, the American C-suite in China. If the American public didn't know what was happening, was there anybody left who didn't know what China was about? Now everybody knows. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Wednesday, October 9th. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back, you by in three, two, one, two, three. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew's off today. Let's get you caught up. This week has been a wild ride for the markets, and it's all to do with China. On Tuesday, the U.S. blacklisted another 28 Chinese companies from doing business stateside. And the Dow declined over 300 points on concerns that a trade deal between the two was unlikely. Before markets opened this morning, however, we caught wind of reports that China may be open to a partial trade deal. A skinny deal, if you will, despite the blacklist. On these reports, the Dow is indicated to open up, not a complete rebound from Tuesday, but a big enough jump to get Joe and Becky talking this morning. The futures jumping sharply this morning after a report that said China is open to a partial trade deal despite the U.S. tech blacklist. This comes after a decline yesterday of 313 points for the Dow on concerns that a deal was not going to happen. If you dig into the report, though, it sounds like it would be a very minor deal that they'd be open to. They say they'd be open to a limited deal as long as no more tariffs are imposed by President Trump, including two rounds of higher duties that were set to take effect this month and then again in in December. In return, they said they would be open to things, this is an official uh, who was speaking on background, according to this report, they'd be open to things like non-core concessions, like purchases of agricultural products. They say they would still not budge on major sticking points. So a lot to read into in that report that, again, was an anonymous official speaking uh, to uh, one news source. Eunice Yoon joins us right now from Beijing. She has more on that front. Eunice, good morning. Good morning, Becky. So that report says that uh, China, as you had said, is open to a partial trade deal. But uh, um, by by that, they mean that the U.S. would have to lift all the tariffs or at least not impose any more tariffs. Beijing buys more stuff, but then doesn't have to compromise on any of the major sticking points. So in other words, not a whole lot has changed in that position. In fact, generally, the expectations for a breakthrough on a trade deal this week are very low here. The standoff then between uh, China and the um, the authorities, as well as the, the NBA, uh, continues to escalate uh, today. 
Um, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, arrives in China. He uh, won't have uh, the usual welcome that NBA commissioners have had in the past by China. In fact, he's facing a um, a, a full tirade of uh, state media. In fact, uh, the Chinese state media has been comparing um, the Hong Kong riots, which was the, the in quotes, riot, um, which was the topic of the tweet of the general manager of, um, of the Houston Rockets, to the 9-11. And also the state media said that Adam Silver, if he thinks that endorsing the indiscriminate violence of the radical Hong Kong protesters are resorting to is supporting freedom of expression, then he should think again. So um, a tough situation for him right now. The NBA, um, there was an NBA fan event tonight. That's been canceled. Uh, there was also supposed to be a, a, a briefing today, which was uh, postponed. Uh, the There's a, supposed to be a, an exhibition game tomorrow between the LA Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. So far, that game is still on, uh, but um, we don't know whether or not it's, it's unclear whether or not it's going to continue to go ahead, uh, though Adam Silver is expected to be speaking at a press briefing tomorrow associated with that game. Guys? Uh, that's amazing, because Silver's comments over here, uh, we, th- we think of them in a different light, that, that it was like way too uh, appeasing to, to, to China. Over there, he, they're playing it the other way. So we're talking about a skinny deal now? Is that, is that what we're calling it? Is that... It's like a, That's what Phil Orlando called. I know, I like. but a skinny margarita. I don't like. I don't like skinny burritos. It's skinny bundle. Do you get any channel? Skinny. I like the marketing on it. It sounds a lot better. But it's than, no good. It's like it's trade deal. I mean, it's like unsatisfying. It's, nobody <laughs> wants a skinny a skinny deal. But that's all. Well, is that the best look, we can hope for? Has China taken all these other issues off the table? Yeah. What happens? The, the issues that we care most about are, oh, yeah, we're not talking about those uh, anymore. But we'll buy some more soybeans. Ten billion. All right. Uh, thank thank but you. But maybe a skinny deal is better than no deal, an armistice. It's a kick to can a deal. Kick to can down the road. Uh, uh, it will come back <laughs> later, right? It's something that we're going to look at, have that to look at later. That sounds much worse than a skinny deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eunice, thank you. I'll tell you what I was reading just What's on that? the way in, and I was thinking about, you know, how how companies view China and how vis a vis the NBA. Oh yeah. Did you read how many fans there are in China? Yeah, for there's the- twice as many fans there as there are people here in the United States. That that was what got they're pretty stuck in my serious head. fans yes too. hardcore although they're uh, you, you did see a lot of blowback when they right. felt like they weren't being supported but the numbers are you know we've got what 310 million people yeah, yeah there's like 500 million really big fans in I think there's even more, more than so. It's starting million. to get become a. It's, so it's really a. This is why you see I, companies trying to walk such a fine line, right? Um, so now I feel bad. I don't feel bad, but I feel compassion for Adam Silver trying to walk that line. And that I don't know what he gets paid, but you wonder why these guys get paid. This is a. I don't. I don't know where. where what do you do right now? It's all, the cat's out of the bag, yeah. sort of. I, I, I think you try and lay low. I mean, that's what all of these. But it's easy do, for South Park. They don't. You know. You know, they, not so easy for South Park. South Park came out with that, and China immediately pulled their shows off of right, some streaming services. Right, but it's not that. that it's still so not. There was blowback for them. But that too. doesn't hurt them like it. Like the NBA. The NBA has a lot. Probably of not. Yes. And how many other companies are are in this same position now? We're, I think we're Apple, right? Front and center. But so we have Apple was uh, getting some grief yesterday for taking 
I think, the Taiwanese flag emoji off of their phones that they sell in China. You know, they're saying that China needs the NBA, too, that they, they're really... They... You don't want to tick off 500 million people, 600 million people. But they, they love, they, they really want it. It's going to be hard if they... Nationalism is rising, I think, both here and in China, and that's an issue to deal with, too. Squawk Pod. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Welcome back. On today's Squawk Pod, we walk you through several angles of our coverage on China. The country's vice premier is expected in Washington Thursday for the latest round of trade talks. And professional basketball is about to play two exhibition games in Shanghai and Shenzhen. We spoke to a sitting senator in the middle of an Asia-Pacific tour who also happens to have an opinion on the NBA in China. Texas Republican Ted Cruz tweeted over the weekend that he was proud of Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey for calling out the Chinese Communist Party's treatment of protesters in Hong Kong. But he said now, in pursuit of big money, the NBA is shamefully retreating. Ted Cruz dialed into Squawk Box while most Americans were just waking up today. Here's Joe Kernan. Senator Cruz joins us uh, this morning on the Squawk Line from Taiwan, believe it or not, ahead of an expected trip to Hong Kong in the coming days, so I have no idea what the delay is going to look like, uh, uh, Senator. But there was the backtrack of the backtrack, and now I think there's a backtrack of the backtrack of the backtrack. I mean, it, it, you, can't, you can't envy uh, uh, the NBA or, or the commissioner in, in, in this. Uh, where, do you, where do you think we are right now, Senator? Well, good morning, Joe. It's good to be with you. Um, you're right. We've seen the NBA falling all over itself to backtrack, and, and everybody understands why. Uh, there's big money in China, and the NBA, NBA teams make a whole lot of money uh, broadcasting in China, having subscriptions in China, having online subscriptions, having fans there. Uh, but that, that being said, you know, I think this really shows how China tries to use uh, economic coercion and blackmail uh, to get American companies to to engage in censorship. What what Daryl Morey said was, was perfectly reasonable. Uh, the protesters in Hong Kong are standing up uh, for democracy. They're standing up for human rights, and 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 indeed they're they're walking the streets of Hong Kong, uh, uh, carrying carrying quotes from from America's founding fathers. They're 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 asking for the the same rights that that, that everyone wants, and 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 to see. Uh, what the NBA did, because as soon as Daryl Morey tweeted this, the NBA uh, uh, suspended the Rockets' coverage in, in, in China, knocked them off TV, knocked them off the Internet, boycotted them, and we suddenly saw a whole series of, of just abject apologies. And, and, and i got to say, the NBA should be better than that. We should not be willing instrumentalities of, of Chinese censorship. It's one thing for China to censor their own citizens, but, but, but when American companies and, and, and a sports league like the NBA that is truly a global marquee brand is, is willing to, to press itself uh, simply in, in, in pursuit of, of, of additional dollars in China, I think that's, that's, that's really, really unfortunate. 
and, and it's a dangerous precedent. Yeah, it, it was the wokest of our uh, sports leagues here, too. I mean, and, and it's, you know, whether you like being woke or not or appreciate it, it's sad that, you know, that the being woke is, it doesn't really go that deep, does it, I guess, when, when dollar signs come, in, come into the picture. They, you can leave woke behind and come back to the real world, which is, I don't know. It's just a, it, it, this is a very cynical story, Senator, um, right? Well, and Joe, it's a, it's a striking contrast. You know, we've seen when different states in the United States have passed laws protecting religious liberty, that, that, that uh, athletic leagues have been perfectly willing to declare boycotts of those states and to denounce them loudly uh, based on LGBT issues. Well, that's easy to do because that doesn't cost them any money, so it lets them uh, virtue signal all day long, but, 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 but there's nothing at, at stake here. Uh, when, when, when the Chinese communists in Hong Kong are, are oppressing dissidents, are, are suppressing free speech, are violating human rights, uh, where, where the stakes matter intensely and there's a choice between standing for free speech and human rights or making another buck, sadly the, 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 the NBA has, has demonstrated where its priorities lie, and, and, and I believe we can do better. I think... I think what the NBA should have done is the NBA should have stood with the Rockets, should have said, you can't boycott one team. If you, if you, if you want, you know, any time an American company does business with China, there are risks entails. But if our companies are all willing to be essentially an arm of Chinese censorship, uh, that exports their, their repressive policies and regime to the United States and globally. Right. Senator, can, can I just ask you a question? This morning, the, the futures are up by about 200 points on the idea, based on a couple of news reports out there, that the Chinese would be willing to make a deal. You read into it, and again, these are officials who aren't named in a couple of reports that are out there, but they're suggesting that China would accept a limited deal as long as there's no more tariffs imposed by the president, and that uh, they'd be willing to buy an additional $10 billion in U.S. agricultural goods on top of the $20 billion they already purchased. Does that sound like the type of deal you'd support? Oh, look, I'm hopeful that we get a deal and a good deal with China. I think trade with China is important. And I think when it comes to the president's trade agenda, where it has been, uh, where I agree with it the most is concerning China. China's trade policies have for a long time uh, been not been fair and, and not been on, a, on an even or level playing ground. Uh, that they export about $500 billion into the United States, and they only import about $100 billion. And so I think the president is right to try to lean in and get, get fairer terms. And, 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 in fact, I can tell you what, what I and, and, and most Republican senators have urged the president repeatedly is, is focus on China, try to really open up that market to more goods and services, but, but don't at the same time uh, engage in, in a trade battle with all of our other trading partners. And, and I think it would be good to see a trade deal with China, but, but we can do that without at the same time linking back to this NBA issue we were just discussing. We can do that without compromising our values. We don't have to do that to be able to engage in, in, in trade. Senator, while, while we have you here, there's, uh, there's some other stuff going on. I just want a quick comment from you. What would it take, what would you need to see uh, in terms of this Ukraine uh, situation for you to... Um, to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote with Romney if he happened to go that way. I mean, do you see any possibility of, of uh, President Trump losing 20 Republican senators, assuming he gets all uh, that the Democrats stay 
um, well, vote as one. Well, look, if, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to engage in hypotheticals about what conduct might, might be sufficient. I, I can tell you, I think the behavior of House Democrats has been that they have been looking to undo this election since November of 2016. That, that, that the view of House Democrats, without, without any facts, without, and really irrespective of the facts, is that the House Democrats want to impeach the president. And I think it, there's a very good possibility the House Democrats will vote to impeach the president. But it's not based on, on actual conduct. It's not based on facts. And, in fact, they already are, are there before any investigation in the Senate. I voted along with all 100 senators. Every Republican, every Democrat voted for the Senate Intelligence Committee to, to investigate this matter and find out what happens. I think we should, should we should actually look at the facts, but that's not what the House Democrats are doing. What the House Democrats are doing is trying to undo an election because they're unhappy with how the American people voted in, in 2016. Can you tell us uh, why we're talking to you in, in, uh, in Taiwan, where you've been, what, what you've uh, found out, what... what uh well, how much can you tell us? I, I know that you weren't free to talk about everything before, but now that you've left some of these countries. Well, sure. So I am in the midst of, of an Indo-Pacific tour. I, I, I started off uh, in Hawaii meeting with the Indo-Pacific Command and the Pacific Fleet and, and, and getting fairly extensive briefings and meetings with them about the security three, th- threats throughout the Indo-Pacific. Uh, I then was in, in Japan yesterday and earlier today, met with Prime Minister Abe, had a good discussion uh, both about trade and, and, and the Japanese-American trade deal that we just signed this week, which I think is great. That's uh, great for Texas farmers and ranchers, opening up more agricultural trade, and, and, and it's great for commerce generally. Uh, but also spent quite a bit of time talking with, with Prime Minister Abe about, about mutual security threats. Uh, and, and the dominant security threat for, for uh, Japan, for Taiwan, where I am now, and, and the other countries that I'm going on this tour, the dominant threat in this region is China. China is getting uh, more and more aggressive militarily. They are investing billions and in modernizing their military. They are investing massive amounts of money, engaging in, in economic coercion. Uh, their, their program that they call the One Belt, One Road initiative is investing massive amounts of money uh, throughout Asia, throughout Africa, through Latin America, and essentially trying to get uh, in, in impoverished governments to take uh, either loan deals or, or very attractive terms and, and be in a position where, where China can effectively control the infrastructure uh, of those countries. All right. Thank you, Senator. Appreciate it. Take care. Okay. Next on Squawk Pod, China's putting pressure on the NBA, but what about Apple, Amazon, Google, Home Depot, Nike, behind China's offense with American companies? It clearly demonstrates how insecure they feel, that they have to come down so hard on this, suggests that they are concerned about their existence. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. 
See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Stand Joe by. This is Squawk Pod. Here's Joe Kernan. Here's Mike. Welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Quick. Andrew uh, is off today. Protests are continuing in Hong Kong and Chinese state media is accusing the NBA of endorsing Hong Kong violence. Chinese organizers canceled a fan event on the eve of tomorrow's uh, exhibition game in Shanghai between the Nets and the Lakers. Uh, This is after, of course, Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey tweeted over the weekend uh, backing the Hong Kong protesters, or I guess backing them, that's a strong word, just lending some support. Uh, The NBA's business in China is said to be worth more than $4 billion. That didn't factor in any of this, though. Meantime, reports say that ESPN... (laughs) is directing its employees for, employees for the first time ever to steer clear of politics. Uh, and that got to be a first, isn't it? Really, what's been happening for the last five years? Uh, and just focus on basketball during its coverage, according to an internal memo from a senior ESPN executive. Amazing. Joining us now to talk about the challenges of doing business in China right now is CNBC contributor Michelle Caruso Cabrera and Greg Portell, head of a global consumer industries and retail practice at A.T. Kearney. Uh, Michelle, Greg, thanks for joining us. Michelle, what do you think when you first uh, saw this? You a basketball fan, NBA fan? I, I, I don't watch a lot of basketball, to, to be honest. No, they, do they have a court at op- when you see opera? There's no... There's no sports no, whatsoever, no. are there? You and, and, uh, <laughs> no. Right. Okay. No. But, uh, Not when, your cup of tea. No, but when I, when I saw this all go down, it really struck me how bad the Chinese are at propaganda. They're very bad propagandists. It's unbelievable. They should be great, they, they they should be great at it because that's what they, in theory, that's what they do. But, but to have completely misunderstood uh, the American public, to have elevated somebody who was not a household name to the degree that they did, they could have just suppress discussion of this tweet within China, as they do with all things when it comes to their social media. They could have blacked it out, but to have said we're going to cancel games, we're not going to show it on TV, is to have created a situation which now means that if the American public didn't know what was happening, was there anybody left who didn't know what China was about and what was happening in Hong Kong? Now everybody knows. It probably speaks to them feeling like they're backed into a corner to a certain extent. In terms of Hong Kong? No, in terms of... uh, Pressure on the economy, wanting to make sure they crack down very harshly on U.S. companies, yep. on anything headed into these trade deals. I think you speak to another point that I would make about them is that it clearly demonstrates how insecure they feel. That they have to come down so hard on this suggests that they are concerned about their existence. Now, I am not saying that the fall of the Chinese regime no. is coming. A lot of people have predicted that and it hasn't happened. They're just a little touchy these but days. But they are extremely touchy and you have to ask why. Do they fear for their existence? Do they fear about the economy? I bet they do, because it is weakening, regardless of the trade war. Greg, what, uh, what, what do you make of all, the, all, all these discussions we're having? Well, the, the challenge facing multinational companies is that despite all the complexity, despite all the noise, 
China is one of the last remaining sources of pure consumer consumption growth. So CEOs around the world need to engage the market, and that creates the complexity that you start to see. And, I mean, if you were the NBA right now, if you were Adam Silver, how would you approach this? Well, I mean, the, the challenge that companies face is that they're starting to get increased pressure to have a voice on human rights, to have a voice on political issues, social issues. As long as it's not We've China. Seen that, well, that's where the NBA has kind of walked themselves into a discussion that probably isn't very helpful for them in the long term. But if you're going to have a brand, you need to stand for something, and that's clearly what Adam Silver is trying to do now. Every company has walked into it, right? Every company that has said, we're not going to do business in a certain state in the United States because right. they have passed this certain law. Now you have to turn to them and say, okay, so are you going to do business in a they're country that puts Muslims in concentration camps, the White, right? right? They're not going to go to the White House if they win the championship. They're not going to, I mean, have you read Steve Kerr and his comments on a, on a deal, or Popovich? They, have you, do you see what they say about our own domestic situation well, and that's and the they're conundrum. afraid they're right. afraid to look askance at a communist party i mean this, this, that, that reeks of hypocrisy and, and right and, and being dictated by money greg it's i think it's an awful precedent for pr well it goes back to if you're going to do business in china which every company now has to do you have to have and develop a pretty proactive multi-layer strategy that involves not only figuring out how do you serve the chinese consumer how do you manage your supply chain, but then also how do you manage all of the, the overlay of political and social issues? You know, in the U.S., many of these companies have had experience with it. In Europe, they've had experience with it. China is a new adventure for many of these companies, and it shows the importance of needing to have that comprehensive strategy and, and manage it on an ongoing basis. I don't know what, what kind of strategy can you have when you got to choose sides. You got to choose. Your consumer forces you to pick a side, right? That's the demand of consumers right now, particularly in America. And now the Chinese consumer appears to have demands based on on the supposed outcry that was seen there. Which side well, do you choose? Because the, they're very different sides, right? Well, and it goes back to one of the evaluations that we always uh, ask clients is. How strong is your brand and what do you want it to stand for? Because if you are going to have a, a brand that has a voice, that voice is going to be challenged. Now, where you start to run into problems is when the consumers in one market and their preferences differ from the consumers in another market. Which, which, fence do you, or which side of the fence do you fall on? It's, it's you know, multi-layered complexity when you talk about issues such as the ones we're talking about in Hong Kong and China. You know, if you're woke, Greg, it shouldn't be controlled by who has where your financial interest is. You're either woke or you're not. Well, what drives the financial interest in both markets may be different. You know what I'm saying. Well, South Park, I mean, South it, Park it, hit, the, hit right. such a sensitive spot yesterday because they said, we too believe uh, more in money over democracy. I mean, that's what, that's what this comes down to. Are, are brands going to be forced to take a side? Are companies going to have to pick one side or the other? Well, one of the elements that you see companies respond with is localization of many of those brands. So the brands can have different voices in different markets. Something like the NBA, however, is a global brand, a global powerhouse brand, and that puts them in the crosshairs. All right. Greg Portell, thanks. Michelle, thanks for, uh, for being here. That's today's Squawk Pod. On our rundown tomorrow, earnings season is taking off. Delta CEO Ed Bastian joins us with his airline's numbers and much more. 
Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. We're pros here, aren't we? This is like <laughs> Wayne's World, isn't it? Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.